Blog Talk Radio. features 
four different mall locations where a hundred people will get their chance to go on stage and give a rant or slash monologue of two to three minutes. Um, you'll be able to talk about whatever you want, and then if you make it past that round, you're in the top 50, in which case they'll go to another location, five different locations, ten, per- ten people per location. You do another two to three minute rant, you'll answer some questions by WFN personalities, and after that, you'll be in the top five, and you'll be able to get a chance to go to Bar A and be on, be on the air live with my Francesca, and you'll be interviewing a player, you'll be talking to Francesca, and you'll be doing a rant. Wow. Definitely sounds like fun. I mean, how long did the whole process take? The Well, I tried out first last June as well, and then the end of the summer uh, is Bar A, and that's, I think, this year it's August 19th, I believe. So okay. it's throughout the summer. Yeah, so basically, okay, throughout the summer, and you had to go a couple of times. Uh, what what mm-hmm. skills would you say that you've learned? In this, I mean, it's been le- less than a year, um, yeah. but, you know, considering that the, the contest was a year, what skills would you say you've learned in this time that you've been on the air for WFN? Well, I think uh, the skill I've learned most is pacing myself. Um, and being timely, uh, you asked me what advice I would have for anyone trying out, and the answer is being timely. There's no reason in, in the middle of June to talk about Carmelo Anthony and the Knicks because that's not relevant right now. Nobody, if you're listening to the fan, no one's talking about Carmelo Anthony and the Knicks because, to be honest, nobody cares about that right now. You're hearing talk about the Yankees. You're hearing talk about the Yankees and the Mets, and no one's talking about the Giants and the Jets because, again, it's June. It doesn't matter. So to be timely, I've learned that's really important. Like I said, pacing. There's no reason that if I have pages and pages in my notepad full of statistics, there's no reason I have to throw everything out in my 20-minute monologue, because if I do that, I'm going to have nothing for the second half of my show. I'll be completely out of gas. I'll be out of statistics. I'll be out of stuff to talk about, and then it's dead air, and it sounds terrible. I just learned pace yourself, give a little gear, get, get the audience you know, a little taste, a bit of an appetizer, and then you keep going, and you fill in the show, and you pace yourself well, and it sounds much better. Sounds great, Greg. Um, let me ask you this. What kind of question... Um, like, give me a typical sports trivia question. Are they going to ask people, like, well, who was the 1954 MVP for the American League? Well, to be, well, to be honest, the trivia wow. part is only in pre-screening. In order to get a chance to do a rant, you go through pre-screening. The pre-screening consists of four trivia questions. And to be honest, some of them are a bit obscure. They're not 1954 AL MVP, but they certainly could ask you who the MVP of certain Super Bowls were who the MVP oh, was, wow. um, who had the only win for the Mets in the 2000 World Series. That was a question that I got. Um, and I, I always said that I may not have gotten every question right. To be honest, I don't even remember if I did. But you do, they're trying to gauge your personality. They're trying to hear your voice. And they're trying to see your sports knowledge. And if it, all those three, three things combine together and they like you, you make it through pre-screening and you get a chance to rant. Wow. Seems like a... Uh, not a grueling process, but it definitely seems like a process that uh, anybody that is interested in better get their better do their homework before they go, uh, you well, know, and try it on I, Saturday. I, I certainly don't suggest going in there cold, just expecting to be able to go up on stage and talk two minutes about sports because you're not gonna have any chance like that. You need to you need to be incredibly prepared, know what you're going to talk about, and and practice. You know, because unless you've done this for a while, you have no idea how long two to three minutes is. You can't just talk about, hey, Mark Sanchez is dating Hayden Penetier. She was on Heroes. That's it. That's two seconds right there. You can talk for two minutes. 
my first monologue on, on WFN was, what, 18 minutes long. I come from doing two to three to five minute rants. Now, those 18 minutes were the longest thing I've ever done in my life. So right. it, it's, it's grueling, you, you know, you got to be prepared for it. Yeah. So in terms of just your career, is being an on-air personality for WFN your ultimate goal? Yeah, it absolutely is to... I mean, WFAN is the number one sports radio station in the country, as I'm sure you know. And yeah, for what we for what we want to do, or what I want to do, is, is be a talk show host, be on the air. Where else would I rather be than my home, a station I listened to growing up? And yeah, it's absolutely, my ultimate goal. So, in two to three years, do you see yourself having like a, a nice time slot, like um, I don't know, like a Joe and Evan, or I don't know. Well, I mean, problem, you have the, well. The, the thing is that I. From what I know and what I expect, I don't think Joe and Evan are going anywhere. Right. <laughs> and certainly Boomer, certainly Boomer and Carton and Mike aren't going anywhere. I mean, they're, all great at, they're all great at what they do, and their, their ratings are fantastic. So in two to three years, I certainly hope uh, to have a better time slot, whether it's at the fan or it's somewhere else. I'll, I hope to, uh, that I'll be on more than two hours a week on most weeks or five hours a week on certain weeks, whatever. I obviously hope to be on more than that, of course. Is there any um, on-air personality that has taken you under their wing, like um, to like help you, like mentor or just coach you through some things? Well, um, Steve Summers is usually on before me, so he's the host I get to see more often than anybody else. You know, if I go in there at times I'm not working, I'll see the other host. I see Steve or Adam the Bull or Tony Payne. I see, you know, I see them a lot. But Steve and I have kind of grown very close. We have a pretty good relationship, and Steve, who obviously sounds very nice in the air, he's a schmooze and all that whole thing, but he's just as nice off it, if not nicer. He's just been an incredible help. I know I can ask him anything, and it's, it's the schmooze, and I love him. Yeah, he's definitely a great guy. Um, yeah. Just turning, yeah, turning your attention to sports, you know, the NBA Finals are yeah. underway. The Heat took mm-hmm. Game 1 Tuesday night, and Game Two's currently on right now. How would you break down the yep. series, and who do you think is going to win the title? You know, as as any bitter Knicks fan, I'm pulling for Dallas. I mean, you got always in a root for the always in a root for the Mavericks. Will never root for LeBron and Cohen. I was actually thinking about my monologue for tomorrow night, and for some reason, my sister's sitting in the other room cheering on LeBron. I can't figure out why, but nevertheless, um, I'm rooting for the Mavericks. The Heat are obviously the favorites. They have so much power. They have so much star power and offensive capability. Greg, there. One. Greg, you're, you're cutting out. Looks like we're having some technical difficulties here with uh, with Greg. Um, not sure what's going on. I guess he got so excited that uh, the line I shorted think, out. I think you know, being a Knicks fan, it's uh, he's just jinxed. I mean, look what he's saying. You got a lot. Well, I mean, being a Knicks fan myself. Uh, I yeah. agree with Greg. You have to be rooting for them. I mean, I think being a basketball fan, you got to be rooting for for Dallas. You can't. Nobody, please tell me you're not rooting for the uh, for the Heat. But aside from that, uh, I know we have Dominic uh, on hold. So Dominic, just uh, get us for a, a minute here. Um, we're gonna have to uh, see if we can get Greg uh, Greg back on the on the show here. So just uh, JB, if you could uh, take over as we uh, you know yeah. sort out these difficulties. I mean, Greg is right. I mean, anybody that's rooting for the Heat, I mean, I'm a Celtic fan. And, you know, anybody rooting for the Heat is crazy because, you know, unless you live in Miami, everyone else should be rooting against the Heat. They are the heels, if you will, of this, you know, of this NBA Finals. I mean, again, LeBron James, 
you know, I just saw him, I just saw him throw down a dunk and emphatically just, you know, give one of those poses in front of the crowd like he's the man. I mean, calm down, LeBron. You haven't won anything yet. I mean, yeah, you know how to dunk, but let's uh, let's take it down a notch here, buddy. I mean, we hate you enough as it is, you know, whether it be a Nick fan or a an automatic voice message system. I don't know what's going on here with Greg. Looks like we're having some uh, technical some difficulty with him. Actually, you know, I think Hang we're Or press one for more. Op- okay, maybe not. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> folks. Looks like we're having some technical difficulties here. And it's funny because, of course, it happens to happen on our 50th show, and this is the first time that we've actually had these uh, these problems, as it were. So, uh, JB, you were saying? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I was saying, anybody that's room for the heat is, is, is crazy. I mean, uh, they're way too cocky for me. They're way too conceited. Uh, Chris Bosch. Well, the phone's ringing. Let's see what happens. Yeah, we're, we're, let's call him out, folks. Uh, we're, we're trying hey, to drag on Luke. Hey, <laughs> hey, Greg, I don't know what happened, but your, your call got uh, disconnected there, sir. I'm sorry, you were saying we were talking about uh, the NBA Finals and whatnot? Oh, right. I, I don't know what happened. I guess I was, I was talking to nobody. I looked down at the phone. You guys weren't there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was basically talking. I was, you know, basically talking about um, the fact is that the Heat the defense has impressed me more than anything else. The fact that they shut down Derrick Rose last series, they shut down Dirk Nowitzki in Game One, and if Dirk Nowitzki and Chris, if Chris Bosh mainly plays the way he did in Game One, is alive here in Game Two, it's tied at 51 at halftime. If that happens, their defense remains stellar. They're going to be tough to beat, unfortunately. As, as miserable as it makes me, and miserable as it makes most people, I'd say, around the country, that's just what's going to happen, unfortunately. And we're all going to be miserable all summer. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. And it's unfortunate. You know, what, what we were saying when you when you hung up is I'm a Knicks fan also, or what happened with the, with the line there, I'm a Knicks fan also, so I don't know how anybody could be rooting for the Heat, to be quite honest. I know, you know, there's some kids that I know, uh, young kids who are big uh LeBron fans, which I don't understand, especially the way that he handled his exit from Cleveland. But sure. it's nice to see, you know, it's nice to see um, that Dallas is at least trying to hang in there and stuff. I know Nowitzki is all messed up with his finger and everything. But the truth is that you can't root for LeBron. I don't care who it is or what. Wade, I have no problem with LeBron. Definitely have a problem. Um, do you think that, you know, they're up one nothing. What do you think? You think they're going to take this in, in, in seven? I mean, are we going to go in four? I know Joe and I were talking about this off the air. Some people were changing their predictions, like, oh, uh, you know, the, the Mavs are going to get swept and whatnot. I don't think the Mavs will get swept. I think the Heat will probably win in – no, this isn't really going out on a limb here. I think the Heat will win probably in either five or seven, either one. They're going to win it at home. I think the Mavs in elimination games at home will be probably tough to beat. So that's why I think they'll either win it in game five or game seven. And okay. we, you, know, you mentioned LeBron, and, you know, tough to root for. You gotta give the guy credit where it's due. He is the best player on the face of the planet. And the fact is, despite his ego, despite the fact that he doesn't want to be the man as as witness when he went down to South Beach and played away Wade's shadow, the guy plays really, really hard. He plays better defense than any superstar in the game. And it's just, you know, it's impressive. It, it sucks, but it's impressive. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and, and it's unfortunate. Like I said, I just I had no problem with LeBron, honestly, just until the way he handled that. And I always talk about this, uh, you know, cause whenever we bring this up. But you know, I was on vacation, and I remember turning on the TV and all the announcement, the announcement, and it just made me sick. This whole thing about how he had to wait and how he had to do his thing instead of just saying, you know what, I'm not coming back to Cleveland. 
Sorry, you know, hometown fans, but you're going to have to move on. I'm going to Miami, and that's that. Instead, he drags this whole process out. So, you know what? I'm sick of LeBron. I'm sick of talking about basketball. I need to move on to the Mets. I need to ask you it's a like, question. Say one, more, one more thing on LeBron, because I have a good analogy for it. It's like, you know, he stuck the knife in Cleveland's back and then just twisted and twisted and twisted. That was the yeah. problem. You know, he had, as a free agent, he has every right to go wherever he wants to play. He wants to play with his friends. He wants to play with his friends. He's, you know, he certainly can do that. But just the way he did it, rather than Kevin Durant writing on Twitter, I just resigned with the Thunder. That was Kevin Durant's announcement. Or Shaq Retires announces it on Twitter. Or every other report... It gets leaked to, to the media, whether it's Chris Broussard or an Adam Schefter in football or John Heyman in baseball. Everything just gets leaked, and it's very quietly done. This, you know, this guy just made a mockery of this entire process, and all of us sheep as fans turning into ESPN, feeding this, feeding his ego, and watching it. It was, it was a joke. Yeah, I agree with that, and it's true that you know a lot of other guys. I mean, you'd have to learn from that that whole scenario if. If you're going to make an announcement, you know, do it the right way. Do it quietly. Don't make a big deal about it because, you know, be honestly, LeBron became bigger than the game. You know, in that moment, he's bigger than sports. He's, you know, LeBron James. He's the man or whatever. But, you know, it, it's like I said, I, I can only talk about LeBron for, for so much. And I well, want you guys, to... you guys mentioned that you guys mentioned at the beginning of the show uh, a wrestling thing. Putting it in wrestling terms, LeBron James went from an ultimate face to the biggest heel in professional sports. <laughs> yeah, he he's did. I mean. It wasn't Hogan-esque because he wasn't that big, but in terms of what people were expecting of him, he was definitely up there. And then he pulled up Bash at the Beach, 1996, came out with the red and yellow, and he turned on everybody. As a matter well, of exactly. fact, exactly the, the, the three of the three of them in the NWO, 100 percent. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I wish, I wish they could throw garbage at him like they did Hogan and the uh, and the NWO. But aside from that, oh, and by the way, Joe, it was 1996. Get your facts straight. Um, Moving on to the Mets, you know, now that they have a new co-owner in, uh, in David Einhorn, where would you say this puts them financially? Well, they have, mo- they have a little bit of money now. I think it'll be more money just for the Wilpons to try to get out of their lawsuit. I still think that they're going to need to trade everybody. I think Beltran's gone. As, you know, as soon as they find a taker for Beltran, he's gone. I think K-Rod is certainly gone. And either Reyes or Wright will be gone. I've been preaching on my show for the last month, maybe two, that the sooner you trade Reyes, the better, because you're going to get more for him. You're going to get an influx of cash, but the fact is, in free agency, just using talking about Jose Reyes, he's the one guy that people want to keep, Jose Reyes is going to demand what? Four, seven years, 140, basically, Carl Crawford's contract? Well, in year three, when he tears his hamstring and he can't run anymore, everyone's going to be laughing at this contract and, calling them and wondering how the Mets could be so naive to give him this. Just like the opposite of what you're doing now and clamoring to re-sign Jose Reyes. Just because you have the money doesn't mean necessarily that you should spend it absurdly like you have in the past. I think the money is necessary, obviously, to have in certainly a big market, but I still preach that the Mets should trade away really the assets now and try to improve for the future because this team, as constructed, despite the scrappy comeback win, isn't going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and... You know, these these wins for me, I take them with an entire cup of salt because I just don't see the Mets as having much talent on the field or off the field. But the Einhorn thing is definitely, uh, you know, a little bright spot in the future of the Mets, and hopefully he can step up to the plate. You know, I heard some reports that um, possibly they were going to get rid of David Wright and keep Reyes. I mean, who knows? 
Um, you know, that that example of, of Jose Reyes, I mean, I'd love for them to re-sign him. I can't imagine him in another uniform. But the fact is that, you know, I don't know if Einhorn can really bail them out completely. In a couple of years, maybe he will if he's the, the full owner. But, uh, I mean, do you think there's any chance that this team could, in, in our lifetimes, are we going to see a championship team from the New York Mets? I mean, I... I know we, we we're thinking maybe a couple of years, but they they'll probably be a losing team for the next couple of years. Well, yeah, but you said in our lifetime, in our lifetime, that's a I'm hoping that's a pretty long time. So I'd like to say yes. I mean, if Red Sox fans can see two championships in their lifetime, I have a feeling the Mets will get there to do it at some point in the next eighty years. Yeah, or so. but- Okay, talk about the Red Sox. How many, how many generations of Red Sox fans died with no title? You know, and I'm not saying the Mets are going to go 86 years, but you know, these, these. I was five when the Mets won their last title. I, I ho- I'm hoping that you know my grandkids aren't five by the time I, you know, they win the next one. They just don't look yeah. like they're going anywhere. Well, I understand that, but 30 years from now, when you're when you're still uh, not that old, you're like 30 years. You're not gonna. Have any worry? You know, it's like it's be a completely different team. You're not gonna be paying Bobby Bonilla anymore. It'll be very different. So I think <laughs> it might be now. I think the contract will be up for 30 years from now. Um, <laughs> but it'll be totally different. You can't, pre- as John, as um, Susan Walden would say, you know, you can't predict baseball. So you never know. In 30 years, in 30 years, a lot could happen. Yeah, that's true. How about the uh, the other turning our attention to the other New York team, the Yankees? You know they've they've had a pretty decent year so far, Greg. But you know I think that they'll need a um, you know come to the playoff push. They'll probably need another reliable starting pitcher for that playoff push. Because do you really believe that Colon and Garcia could you know be this good for the rest of the year? Well, I mean Garcia is clearly a mirage. He throws an 86 mile per hour fastball. So he's right. not going to be able to last all season long. Cologne, it's all about the injury. If he can stay healthy, I mean, this guy has the stuff. Whatever surgery, whatever they put into his shoulder, I'd love for them to put into my shoulder so I could throw that hard. This guy's throwing 96 miles per hour in the seventh inning, which he's never done in his career. So do I think this could last? I mean, I don't see why unless he gets injured, he's going to slow down at all. It's not like he, he's going to get out of shape. He's not in shape. He, You know, He's just a guy, a guy like you and I gets on the mound and can throw 96 miles an hour. So do I think that they can hold on all year? Cologne can, yes. Garcia, no. Do I think the Yankees will acquire another starting pitcher? Absolutely. And who, who do you think that – who's a, like a, a person that they, they could go after and probably get? Well, you're going to have to look at the White Sox. That's my, that'd be my first team that's most likely. I'm not going to tell you the Yankees are going to get Felix Hernandez because that's not even possible. Anyone that says yeah. that just doesn't understand baseball. Um, the more likely targets are the White Sox. They have six starters. They've been going with the six-man rotation for about a month now since Jake Peavy came off the DL. They didn't want to kick Philip Humber out of that rotation because he's been so good. So you look at the White Sox. John Danks doesn't have a win yet. He's pitched pretty poorly. He's someone you can go after. Mark Burley as well. He's you want the lefty. Um, Gavin Floyd's in there. Edwin Jackson. They have a bunch of starters. They have six guys for five spots. And we all, we all know that Kenny Williams and Brian Cashman obviously have a relationship together. They made uh, several trades, you know, uh, most notably the Nick Swisher stealing that they did. So I think the White Sox and their six starters are probably someone you're going to want to start looking at if you're a Yankee fan. Right. And, you know, in terms of just Major League Baseball in general, uh, what, what do you think what, what do you think is more surprising, the, the fact that the Indians are in first place or the fact that the Twins are in last I think that it's probably 
most surprising the Indians are in first place. No one had the projected there. The problem with the Twins is you lost Joe Maurer, who's the heart and soul of your team on and off the field. You've, they've been completely ravaged by any injury imaginable. They've lost Krubel and, and Jim Tomei to the DL today. You have Francisco Liriano, who was lights out for most of last season. He hasn't been right, despite the no-hitter. The pitching has been terrible. Uh, Joe Nathan coming back from Tommy John surgery hasn't worked out the way they wanted it to. So it's just they, they've been completely ravaged by injuries, and, and it's a shame to see them uh, fall so much because Minnesota's a great baseball town. Um, baseball's better when the Twins are good. So I think that's the most um, that's the most depressing thing, but the Indians are the most surprising thing because they're several years ahead of the plan, as even GM uh, will tell you. They're several years ahead of the plan. It shouldn't be happening. You look at their team – I believe um, over half of the players, over half of 25 guys, aren't homegrown, aren't from their own team, was acquired in trades. Guys like Matt Laporta and Michael Brantley, Lou Marson, all these guys, they were uh, acquired for the Cliff Lees, the Victor Martinez's of the world, and they're just kind of a hodgepodge and they're making it work. Yeah, true. Do you, do you have a, a World Series prediction by chance? <laughs> a World Series prediction in June, eh? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, let's say, um, you're going to say the Mets, right? <laughs> I'm not going to say the Mets. I'm going to say the Phillies in the NL, naturally. Um, and in the AL, well, last year I picked the Phillies and the Rays. This year, as of now, let's say the Phillies and, hmm, I haven't really thought about it, to be honest, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, it is only June. I don't know. I'll just, you know what, I'll just, I'm going to stick to the Red Sox, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was my opinion right, at the beginning of the year. I'm not, yeah, that's, that's I'm not really going off the map here. Don't quote me on that, because when I tell them I'm on the air tomorrow, and if somebody asks me that question, I very well may change my mind, so. Yeah. You'll say the I mean, that's, then you... <laughs> that's definitely going to chalk, but um, me and DG, Greg, are, um, you know, we also talk, we also talk about sports, but we also talk about sports entertainment and wrestling, and I know that mm-hmm. you started one of your shows with the Macho Man, uh, his I entrance did. music. Yeah, I were you a, were you a wrestling fan, or are you currently a wrestling fan? I am currently a wrestling fan. Are you? <laughs> yeah. How about you, you, do you guys, do you guys think less of me now? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> hey, we're in the same boat as you, man. <laughs> we're like, we're like the, uh, we're like the what goes in the bottom of people's shoes. That you know the way that people talk about wrestling and the oh my god, you like wrestling? What a what sure. a loser! You know that. I, I I I talked about this on the air. I remember a party that I went to. It was you know just get together with some friends, and the, the look that I got from one of the guys when I said I liked wrestling it looked like I had just punched his, his grandmother in the face. Like how dare you say wrestling? Then he starts talking about MMA, and you know we we obviously don't look down upon you because we we like wrestling or you know we we hate it whatever you want however you want to put it. But it's just sure. interesting because we've had Evan on the show, and Evan likes wrestling, and you know he'll he's come on our show to complain and whine about a horrible wrestling. Is so what? What do you think about the current state of wrestling? Or excuse no, me, I mean, no. <laughs> you can't say wrestling; it's a dirty word these days. Um, <laughs> the, the the product itself is obviously. Oh God, that, that woman is annoying, huh? <laughs> the British woman, the British woman is in my yeah. ear. Yeah, yeah, she's in your Just ignore her. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, the the product the product yeah, itself is, is is nothing like was in the Attitude Era in the late '90s when we kind of grew up watching it. Um, it's it's all about the it's Vince McMahon thinking he knows what we want when 
you clearly show them over and over again that John Cena isn't what we want to watch. And the problem with the product is is Superman. On a Raw currently, John Cena, Superman, and on SmackDown, Randy Orton, Superman. Vince just doesn't understand the concept that you know these guys can lose every once in a while. But the fact that Cena still sells the most merchandise to children, that everyone in the arena is wearing Cena gear despite being cheered or booed or whatever, it's all about John Cena. He brings in the dough. He goes and markets himself. So they're not losing money on John Cena despite the older fans, the ones that grew up, hate him. Yeah, like, oh. and that's the and that's the main problem. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the main problem. I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I hate seeing the guy. I've never met the guy. I mean, you know, he works hard. He works very hard yeah, at what he does. Course. I think I hate I hate John Cena the ca- I hate John Cena the character much more than I you know I hate the guy. Yeah, but right. I've often said I've often said that if you meet John Cena, if I met him, I'd probably love him. I'd probably think he's like the greatest guy in the world. All the stuff he does for the Make a Wish kids—that's amazing. And you, like you said, he's a hard worker. But his personality on the—it doesn't seem to come across. I mean, when he was a bad guy, he had the great, you know, rapping gimmick and stuff, and that's what got people to uh, like him. Sure. And it's the same lack of personality that he shows now, like a complete 180, which is why people dislike him. But, you know, Greg, uh, that, that was kind of, we threw that one in there for free. You have time to take a call because we have somebody on the line who we know wants to, uh, wants to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. All right. Folks, we have the one and only Dominic from Mexico. Dominic, how are you doing, sir? Hey, guys, how are you? Doing good, hey, doing good. I know you're you're a big hey, fan Greg. of Greg Sussman, so uh, let it rip, Dom. Yeah, yeah. I just had a couple of questions. How you doing, Greg? Dominic, you're you're a night early here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a, now he's gonna screw me all up and probably take off tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you killed you killing me. <laughs> hey, I, you know what? I always wanted to ask. Yeah. How do you deal with the moronic callers? Because that would drive me crazy. <laughs> You know, a couple of people say, oh, Dominic, why don't you try out for this uh, phenom thing? I go, I would rip apart these moronic sure. callers. You know, well, well, the truth is, Dominic, you know, the truth is, and you heard the guy call me a week or two ago, and literally just called to say that I'm, that he doesn't like me, that I suck. Well, yeah, you know, two hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you take the, you take the good with the bad. You take the good with the bad. Um, the fact is, if they're calling in and they hate what I have to say, good. That means they're still listening. Half of what I say or Mike says or all the callers say, I mean, it's just a spur of controversy. I don't necessarily believe everything I'm saying. I'm hosting a radio show. I need to drive callers, whether they like me, whether they hate me. It's all good because they're still listening to me. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how how you can deal with some of those guys. Like that guy with, with the, you know, oh, you're the worst. I, I'm like... And you you did it perfectly. You, you yeah, but you still listened to my two hours. You called back, <laughs> which was just amazing to me. Yeah, the guy the guy called three, the guy called three times, and he got on the air one. He got the on the air at two fifty three, and I'm off at three o'clock. That means the guy listened to literally two hours of the show. He hated my entire argument. He hated the theme, and yet for two hours he listened. So I must be doing something right. I was like, wait a minute, you waited two hours? Yeah, I know you called, yeah, I know you were saying in the beginning of the show that he called and he hung up, he wasn't there, because you, you yeah. were going to, you know, talk to him right away. And I go, he waited two hours to call back to say, oh, I, I don't like you. <laughs> I was yeah. like, you've got to be kidding me. And uh, the other thing is, you know, uh, one of the things that I always hear, and, and mm-hmm. especially like with, with asking me, oh, why don't you try out for this phenom thing? People sure. don't realize 
what you have to really do to get a show mm-hmm. together. And and like just explain, you know, to whoever's listening, uh, you know, you have a lot of people. They sitting in the car and they go, "Oh, I can do this." Sure. And and now you know, you know, you know the difference. You've been on the other side. And explain mm-hmm. like what's what would a normal person sitting in their car going, "Oh, I could do this. I could talk for four hours." What you yeah, really right. have to go through. Well, you know, I, I kind of. I kind of talked about it a little bit, a little bit at the beginning of this interview. It's about pacing yourself. And at the beginning, and if you've done these listening to me since the beginning, for the most part, it's realizing that you're talking to your audience, sure, and you're just you're one of the guys, yes, but in reality, you're sitting in front of a microphone and talking to yourself for four hours, and you need to be able to fill four hours of time. So there's no dead air, so you're as lively at one a.m as you are at the end of your show at 5.50 if I'm going the entire overnight. Because the people listening at 1, the people listening at 5 aren't the same. And they don't want to hear a guy that's five hours deep into a show. He's bored. He doesn't want to be there. You have to remain energetic. You have to, you know, really appreciate being there and be happy and performative. People don't want to listen to the same craft. They want to enjoy the show, be innovative, be creative, and just constantly realize what you have, and I, I always do that. You know, I, like I said, I graduated college last year. I, I didn't have a job, and I'm so appreciative of my two-hour time slot every week that I go on there every single week, treat it like it's my last show, treat it like it's Game 7 of the World Series, because for me, every game is, like, every show is like Game 7. Cause it, it's, I try to make it the best show possible. I try to be prepared. I, I come in there with notes each and every week. I don't go in there and just talk about my head. I don't know all these stats I talk about. I do work. I research it. I, I, yeah, I figure out a topic and try to play off a creative angle off it. I know my favorite show ever that I've done, to ask myself my own question, um, my favorite show that I've, that I've done was probably back when the Wilpons announced that they were going to have to sell, but they weren't giving any control over to anybody. And then I heard a bunch of shows on our airwaves and some other stations on their take on it. I'm thinking about it during a Friday afternoon. How can I make this creative? What can I do to make this show, uh, set the show apart for somebody else? And I created a list of odds of people that can come over and take over the match. And the New York Post wound up doing it the very next day which I thought was, was pretty interesting. And I came up with these crazy odds. And, I, and, you know, I listed people that were actually had a chance, whether it was like a guy like Mark Cuban or, you know, Donald Trump. And, and I threw out names like um, Mark Zuckerberg, Vince McMahon, Mike Francesa. You know, I threw, I threw all this stuff out there because, you know what, I, it doesn't affect me. I'm a talk show host. And people are trying to enjoy their drive homes. They're trying to get to sleep, but they're listening to enjoy the, enjoy the show. And, I, you know, I had fun with it. I had a really, really good time with it. I got a great response from the callers. And I walked out of the studio that night being, you know what, this was a good show. And I sat all afternoon preparing that. And when it works like that, you feel really good. Well, yeah, yeah, that's how I think a lot of people don't realize how much work you have to really do, you know, because I, I know listening to you, I mean, you're, you're brilliant to me. You know, Thank you're you young, so much, Dominic. You, you really are. Uh, like, I was there, I listened to Mike, I'm 48, so I listened to Mike Francesa when he was a, uh, like a baby on that show. Sure. And that's what you remind me of, that you're so knowledgeable, which it, it's amazing, because I know you... I think it was like, uh, must have been about two months ago, and mm-hmm. it was, somebody called and started talking about, uh, like, the college draft. I, I think it was sure. basketball. 
Yeah, Kemba Walker. You were yep. coming up. You were coming up with stuff like BYU stuff, and I was like, oh, yeah. "You got kidding me!" I go, you know, <laughs> like half the teams I didn't even hear of, and it was just amazing <laughs> to me that you know that was the day I go, "This guy is great." Because you were coming up with some guys from, like, California. And I was sure. like, nobody's heard of these guys. You know, you had to really do your homework to, to, it's, you know, know, to it's, come up. It, yeah, it's just about being prepared. I mean, I watch sports all the time, just like you do, just like all the callers the fan do, all the callers to your show guys do. They're sports fanatics. And I'm a sports fanatic, and I understand that I'm a host to a show. If people are going to ask me questions, I better be, I better be prepared. I better know who the 12th guy on the Mavericks are and the Heat are. I better, I better know that, you know, Jawan Howard is sitting on the bench and Eric Ampier is sitting on the bench praying that LeBron brings him a championship. Right. Yeah, well, talking about, I know you guys are talking about LeBron. The yeah, one yeah, thing I right. don't like about LeBron is... The one thing? The, yeah, the, the number one thing is he does a lot of flopping like, like, I was watching YouTube the other day. Uh, you know, somebody hit a basketball, and he pretended like it hit him in the mouth and stuff. And I'm like, and, and then I get mad when people start comparing him to Jordan. Which, oh, please. Uh, yeah, joke. yeah, it's like, uh, you can't see Jordan doing that stuff. And, and, and the one thing that separates Jordan and LeBron is Jordan wanted to take over that game. Every single game, he wanted to take over. And it was just a question of what, what minute am I going to take this game over and, and win it? And I think that's the biggest difference between LeBron and, and Jordan. But, to, yeah, I hear people comparing them to – I was like, you can't compare those two. He, he, yeah, not yet. LeBron won nothing. Yeah, it's true. It's, 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 kind of, it's kind of that cutthroat personality. When, when Jordan turned it on in that fourth quarter, he would have absolutely ripped your guts out. You don't right. see that with LeBron. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, LeBron, the yeah especially when, when he was in Cleveland and he was like the only guy in Cleveland, he was, you know, passing it up and everybody was like, oh, what a great pass. But, you know, sometimes you got to be selfish. So that, that's the big thing. Yeah. Well, listen, Dom, we, uh, we, right. we greatly appreciate you calling in. And uh, you as always, the, uh, some time. And, and no problem. Greg, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And you guys <laughs> have a great time. Dominic, as always, I look forward to it. Thank you for your support. Yeah, you you guys should hang out or something, Greg. I mean, I know Dom's a big fan of yours. He actually wrote an article about you over on a 66WFAN.net, and I remember reading it, and I was like, man, you know, this guy's uh, comparing you to Mike Francesa in terms of the uh, the knowledge and where you are in your career. But you know what, Greg? If you do become the next Mike Francesa, hey, you'll be running the fans just like Mike is. Greg, we appreciate you taking the time out. We really do appreciate you coming on the show, and hopefully, you know, we'll be able to have you on again uh, in the near future. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see who the next uh, fantasy phenom is, but for now, you are the one and only. Greg, have a wonderful evening, and again, thank you for coming up here, Gold. Yeah, I totally appreciate it, guys. Thanks thanks a lot for having me, and i got to ask you a question before I go. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, you, who, who, uh, who are your guys' favorite wrestlers right now? Uh, right now, <laughs> uh, Joe, you you want to answer this because all my favorite wrestlers are either retired or making a bad at rock music with Fozzy. Well, I mean that's a good question, Greg. I mean, I, I like to watch and like laugh a lot. So if I tell you Santino, <laughs> no, I don't get I don't get I don't really get to talk wrestling on my show. So you know, one time I get to talk to wrestling fans. I just like I just like to kind of get a pulse. That's all. You, you, you know, know Greg. Like, um, sorry, uh, Joe. Go. No, you go, sir. No. 
I was just going to say, we need to get, like, a show uh, somewhere, Greg, that maybe me, you, Evan, and DG could, like, just talk wrestling because you're right. You know, it sucks that you can't talk wrestling on WFAN, so we need to, like, find somewhere where we could actually sit down and just talk and break down wrestling, you know what I'm saying? Well, well, well if you look for it, I don't want to kind of advertise certain competition, but if you look for it, there is wrestling shows on, on um, not necessarily the Internet, but on the radio, on satellite radio, if you look for it. There are shows yeah. that do that. Well, we actually, yeah. we've had, uh, I'm not sure if you if you check out Sirius, but we've actually had uh, Doug Mortman from Busted Open on our show a couple of times, and Busted sure. Open is a wrestling program on Sirius, and I, I mean, I love that show, you know, I check it out, uh, I found out about them when we were looking at, like, a wrestling guest, and I'm a loyal listener to their program, I actually called in the other day, and I just love mm-hmm. people talking, even if, even if it upsets me, which it does, I just love people talking about wrestling, and for the first few months on this show, we talked we talked a lot of wrestling. Even when we got Evan on, we, we talked to him about it as well. And, I mean, me personally, I'm a huge Shawn Michaels fan. I was actually mm-hmm. listening to a one-hour sit-down interview today with Hulk Hogan, and Hogan is my, my all-time favorite in terms of personality and stuff. But if you look around the, the wrestling landscape now, the truth of the matter yeah. is that I, I, don't, I don't see a lot. I, I don't like Randy Orton. I don't like John Cena. I like Christian, but, you know, what are they doing with him? Um sure. He had that two-day, well, five-day bootleg title reign. But, you know, it's just kind of like one of those things. When Sean retired, Chris Jericho's not doing it. To me, it's like, what can you, who is there to really latch on to? You know, I like Kofi Kingston, for example, but Kofi loses every match. So it's like you said, Vince has that Superman thing, push these guys down your throat. I know better than you, so either take it or, you know, like to me, the alternative is TNA, and TNA is just not that good. I don't know. Teenage like, not, not the alternative. It's just WWE light, as I'm sure you've heard. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it's horrible. it's it's like an old WCW when they were going out of business. That's basically what TNA sure. is. And you want sure. it to? Well, I mean, I, I know that I want it to succeed, but I just don't see anything. I don't see anything happening there. As a matter of fact, Eric Bischoff uh, was quoted today as saying that the internet wrestling community, which I guess we would be a part of, I assume, is he's referring to people like us. That we, you know, people who look at the at the stuff going on, on the internet, that um, you know, we don't matter. We you know ten percent of the people who go against what ninety percent of the people say, and we we uh, specifically don't matter. So I don't know. I mean, that that's just that's just how I feel about it. You know, it's in terms of wrestling. What about you, sir? Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, I don't think that Vince or Bischoff or, or Hulk Hogan, I don't think or Vince Russo. They don't, I don't believe, have a true pulse of what the fans want, whether it's vocal internet fans, as they'll call it, or the other 90% that Eric Bischoff is referring to. I don't think they, you want to see Jeff Jarrett wrestle Kurt Angle for six straight months. I don't think you want to see John Cena, John Cena just beat every single guy. The problem is, you know, if Cena's fighting a guy this month, you know he's going to beat him, and you know he's going to beat him next month and the month after that. They had a, an entire... They had an entire program with the Miz just thrown out. It was thrown out. They buried the guy. They yep. Build him up. Bury the guy for John Cena. And listen, it's a shame. Greg, we've been the, talking the, about the, that. Sorry, uh, not to cut you off, but we've been talking about that for the past couple of shows, and we don't understand how the Miz's title reign sucked. It was it was five and a half months of crap, but then to to bury the former WWE champion the way that they've buried him. It's like, I mean, pretty soon he's going to be future Endeavor. Maybe he's going to be uh, your co-host on WFAN because they just, they just don't know what to do with the guy. And whenever well, I, see, I, I, I don't know about that. Um, I don't like to screw with that. Because, well, because 
uh, the Miz is a guy I like Cena that does all this promotional stuff for him, for them. So he's not really going anywhere. But but if you look at these guys that are first time champions, guys like Miz or a Sheamus or a Jack Swagger, they all kind of fall back fall back to your mid card and just aren't true main eventers. The only main eventers they have had really in the last five to seven years, Randy Orton or John Cena, were guys that aren't there anymore. Uh, uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, Triple H, uh, the, the Jericho, and Angle, uh, Batista. None of them are there anymore. And the one guy that I, my favorite currently, and the guy that is the best wrestler, best talker, the best overall former superstar, if you will, he's gone this summer in CM Punk, and they screwed yeah. him up. So you know they need to change. They need to make a change, and that's my wrestling rant for tonight. You know, they should, they should, um, the guy that just finished Dancing with the Stars, I mean, he could really save one of the two shows. If Chris Jericho decided to come back, I think, you know, he'd be my favorite wrestler. Well, I don't, I mean, Jericho may be my all-time favorite wrestler, but I don't think he's going to come save a show. I think Jericho, an incredible worker, uh, he'll put over anybody, but he's not uh, the next John Cena. He's not the next Randy Orton. The guy's almost 40 years old. He's not the future. They need to build a future. Chris Jericho is not the future. You see that that's a good point in terms of him not being the future. But I actually I actually saw an interview with him where he was saying that if he comes back, he's going to reinvent himself again. He's not going to do the whole monotone robotic suit thing. He'll probably come back as a good guy and, and take over for a while. But his mentality after interviews with him, it's like you know put the other guys over. The fact is though, Greg, I mean you look at the talent roster. I know that the Miz isn't going to get fired. I was exaggerating a bit. But, uh, you know, he does do a lot of work for them. But when the guys win the title, they go back to mid-card immediately instead of staying at the top like a Cena or an Orton. But when Cena and Orton, let's say they both got injured tomorrow and they're out for a year, sure. what, what, what would they do? Who would be champion? You know, Sheamus? They you, want, to... you, want my, you want my honest answer to that? Yeah. If, if John Cena and Randy Orton both got hurt tomorrow or after a year, Triple H would just come back from that from behind the scenes and become champion. And that's, that would be it. But you still have one more belt. Who'd get the other belt? The other belt would then go to um, probably an Alberto Del Rio type. And that, that, but see, that's the problem. I mean, I love Triple H, but the guy needs to go. Like you said, he, he's not. He's also not the future of wrestling, like uh, like uh, Chris Jericho. But the WWE, their talent, they're they're full of mid carders, and then they have Randy Orton and John Cena. They don't have a guy you could point at and say, man, you know, they're really grooming him to be the next. John Cena right. or the next Randy Orton. They don't have any of that. If, so if, you, look, if you look at their uh, best era, which was the end of the 90s, I mean, you had all these main eventers, Rock, Triple H, uh, McFoley, Austin, Angle, Jericho, all these guys are just interchangeable. Now yeah. you have all these guys, you're interchangeable in the main event scene, but they're just getting fed to Orton or to Cena. So it's, they're, it's kind of making a merry-go-round all to be fed. Yeah. Now, Greg. I mean, since we're talking wrestling and we get a chance to talk wrestling on our show, I mean, we try to we try to open up on you know we try to talk about different topics. Let me let me ask you this one. I mean, yeah. they had a the, the WWE had a great opportunity to have a Rock versus Cena for this WrestleMania, and I think mm-hmm. they kind of botched it up, and now they they delayed it one year. Do you think that's yep. a good thing, bad thing? And, and what do you think about the match itself that's going to happen next year? I I think it'll just be the Rock putting over Cena. I don't think they had an opportunity. Uh, to put that match on. The Rock wasn't in wrestling shape. He was coming to promote a movie. They got, they both got so much publicity on both sides of it. I think it kind of was a bigger boom than they even thought it would be. I thought they'd do what they could with it. I would have liked to see um, The Miz more involved, obviously. But I think they did the right thing. 
to push this match a year because there's no reason to put this match anywhere else on any other minor pay-per-view, whether it's SummerSlam or Survivor Series or whatnot. You had to make this match at WrestleMania. You had to make this match the main event, the biggest attraction, when The Rock will mm-hmm. put over John Cena, and that's all there is to it. Hopefully, I mean, because we're going to be watching it. We start WrestleMania together this year. Uh, we'll be watching it together next year with a couple other friends, and we're we're going to collectively vomit if The Rock loses to Cena. I guess Joe's, Joe's point was the build-up to it <coughs> really was if The Rock was in wrestling shape, it really was Rock Cena. The Miz thing was kind of just yes. thrown in there. I always thought if they had planned it out differently and gotten The Rock to commit to this year, in advance, they could have had, like, Morrison and Miz, who had a great match at the Rumble or whatever it was uh, last year, they could have had those two guys put on a, a show, sorry, this year, earlier this year, in a semi-man event, and then had Rock Cena for this year. But waiting one year, hopefully Cena doesn't get injured. You know, we'll see what happens. I know that The Rock helped push the buy rates over a million this year, so that's a big thing for the WWE, so anything he's involved in would be great. But, Greg, again, uh, you know, for the second time, we really appreciate you coming on. You know, it's good to talk some wrestling with you. I didn't realize you were such a big wrestling fan, so I know you don't get to talk about it on your show, but we're glad you were able to come on and share your thoughts with us there. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem, and, of course, you're welcome back anytime. Folks, that was the one and only Greg Sussman of WFN. And, of course, we appreciate Greg coming on the air with us. And that interview, before we get into Todd's take, which we're we're late for, for Todd's take, uh, unfortunately, and, of course, Todd will have to – Forgive us. I know normally we're at the 10:30 mark, but um, we had a nice long interview with uh, with uh, Greg and of course with uh, Dominic, who had to you know throw it in there. Um, JB, who's our uh, who's our sponsor for the evening? Well, folks, tonight's well, actually the interview tonight's interview with Greg Sussman was brought to you by 66wfan.net. If you want to be part of all the WFAN that has to offer, check them out, folks. You can post articles about the personalities, what you like and what you don't like, and you can also comment on the others who do the same. Connect with all the fans on the fan. Follow them on Twitter. It's 66WFAN dot, spelled out, D-O-T, net, or check out their website at 66WFAN dot net. DJ? Folks, we have joining us this evening... Live and in studio in his New York Jets chair, the one and only TJ Todd Johnstone. Todd, how are you doing, sir? Speaking of idiot callers, here I am. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, really let me tell you, my though. scorecard is an absolute mess from having to change the score so constantly. I thought I was coming on, then I had to wait, then I, then I was had to pause again and redo it. So my card is an absolute mess here, but I will That's muddle a- through. That's okay, but TJ, let me just just tell the audience that you know you are our very own fantasy phenom. <laughs> there you go. From, yes, from he is. caller to sports update guy, and hopefully I'm uh, going to work my way up to a coffee getting intern. Definitely. That's next. That's so, your next promotion. <laughs> I'm working hard for it. Yeah. All right. So here we go. The NBA championships. The Mavs are currently losing to the Heat uh, 61-64 with about four minutes to play. Heat lead the series 1-0, and it's looking like it's going to be 2-0 at the end of this one. In the NHL, no game tonight. In the uh, Stanley Cup Finals, we had game one last night between the Bruins and the Canucks, and the Canucks took that game 1-0 with 18 seconds to play. Game two, puck drops Saturday night, 8 p.m. for game two. 
in Major League Baseball. The Rangers have beat the Indians 7-4. to The Twins are leading the Royals 8-2 to in the ninth. The Mariners are leading the Rays 5 to nothing in the third. The Giants are leading the Cardinals 10-7. to A lot of scoring in that game uh, in the past couple innings. They're in the seventh inning. Nats over the D-backs 3 nothing in the fourth. The Strohs lead the Padres 1-0 in the second. And the damn Mets actually won a game today. And in grand fashion, 9-8 over the Pirates. Granted, it was the Pirates, but I'll take a win. JB? Thank you, sir. And uh, without further ado, since we are running way over time, and Todd definitely has a take on something. So, sir, take it away. Wait a minute. 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 What I find interesting is that... No matter how many times I introduce Todd, he always goes back to you after he's done with his sports update. He's like, yeah, uh, forget about DG. Uh, JB, uh, take it away, DG. JB, DG. Sorry, Todd, I just had to interrupt you. I had to throw that out there. I'm offended, but you know what? The show must, must go on. You can do your take now, sir. Go get your own I coffee. Think I, just lost my, I think I just <laughs> lost my coffee internship. Yeah, I think so. Out of here. <laughs> so today is day 79 of the lockout the longest work stoppage in NFL history. And on the eve of the start of the courtroom battle between the NFL owners and players, Commissioner Roger Goodell, DeMora Smith, team owners and players, uh, player association officials met in Chicago this week, along with a federal magistrate, uh, Judge Arthur Boylan, to try to bring the two sides closer together. Magistrate Boylan, however, had to cancel the mediation sessions scheduled for Tuesday and Wednesday of next week because of the trial. Uh, trial officials said, quote, confidential settlement discussions will be happening, unquote. So due to that, they had to cancel those sessions. Only makes sense. So the NFL and the NFLPA said in a joint statement released this afternoon, quote, the parties met pursuant to court mediation. Owners and players were engaged in confidential discussions before Chief Magistrate Judge Boylan. The court has ordered continue, <laughs> continued confidentiality of the mediation sessions, unquote. So it occurs to me that one day before the hearing of, uh, of this trial, before the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, the two sides seem to be at least making an effort to work out a settlement that will hold football and hope <laughs> that two, the two sides would reach an agreement sooner rather than later, potentially even uh, at the end of this month, sources are, are, are claiming. So with the two sides needing to be uh, in St. Louis on Friday, the supposedly secret meeting in Chicago today uh, made sense as a meeting place since the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, New England, New England Patriots, Robert Kraft, Carolina Panthers, Jerry Richardson, uh, New York Giants, John Mara, and Pittsburgh Steelers, Art Rooney, were the owners present at this super secret meeting with uh, Roger Goodell. Uh, NFLPA representatives at this meeting, besides Smith, included uh, Kevin Mawai, who's been a staple at these things, uh, Mike Vrabel, Jeff Saturday, Tony Richardson, you know, a little hometown flavor there with T. Rich, and Baltimore Ravens, Dominique Foxworth. Both Goodell and Smith declined to comment when asked by the Chicago Tribune outside the hotel where the talks took place. In a surprise, though, (laughs) in a surprise move, Jerry Jones also declined to comment, which is very interesting because usually he's got more to say than anybody. So, The NFLPA was equally secretive, declining to respond to inquiries about the meeting and uh, leaders' whereabouts before the release of today's joint statement. From this fan's perspective, hopefully, there will be some quick resolution. And when I say quick, I mean but quick. 
the NFL Network has nothing to talk about on its flagship program, Total Access. And quite frankly, I stopped watching my 7 p.m. regular Monday to Friday about two months ago. The top 100 players show of the top 100 players of 2011 show is pretty good, but I mean the list to some extent makes no sense, and it doesn't follow the criteria. I mean, in what bizarro world universe does Donovan McNabb even deserve to be on this list? You know, but I digress. That's another another rant. I need my beloved gangrene. I mean, Hard Knocks is going to be on NFL Network soon, and I suppose I can get my kicks watching Rex for the third time on that show. But, I mean, it's going to be on NFL Network, and with all the editing, it'll probably end up sounding more like Morse code with all the bleeps. I need sports entertainment, guys. In this economic climate of uncertainty and belt tightening and doing without, I actually found myself with a little bit of extra scratch, and I was looking to invest in two, uh, two seats at the, the swirling winds of the new Meadowland Stadium. And, JB, you know that there would have been games to attend. So, uh, you know, playoff games at home to attend. Come on, football. Don't make me waste any more money on the Mets. If the two sides don't get together again, (laughs) but quick, that source of revenue is going to find itself taken. I'm Todd Johnstone. JB? (laughs) DG? Good one, Todd. Good one. I'm thinking about the coffee. We'll we'll see about that, sir. (laughs) All right. Light and sweet, right? Yeah. (laughs) Of course, of course. Oh, Todd, we appreciate your take as always. And, you know, I always find it interesting, like, how is Todd going to wrap this up? You know, how is he going to throw in the taken? That was good. I have to admit, that was definitely good. Thank you, sir. Folks, we had the one and only TJ joining us. And now, moving on to him, we're going to go back to what I like to say, JB, uh, a first time or second time, long time, but actually the man who was our first caller in the history of pure gold, and here on the 50th episode anniversary, it's only fitting, we have Vic from Boston joining us again. Vic, how the heck are you, and where have you been for the last six months? What's going on, guys? What's going on, Joe, not, Dave? Not hey, much, Vic, man. How are you? Congratulations. Congratulations you, on your 50th show. Thank oh. you. How are you guys enjoying the NBA Finals? Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the fact that... uh. The fact that uh, uh, the, the Mavs are stinking it up and they're not winning. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love to see LeBron and his uh, the Heat, you know, take a, about to take another game. That, that, that's great. What about you, sir? You know, oh, I, I you know, driving home from work today, I was thinking, do you think the NBA is in trouble? A little bit of trouble. I mean, you think about it. They're heading to a lockout, and this year the playoffs has been pretty putrid. I mean, the, both Eastern Conference. Series and then five games. I, I feel like there there wasn't much going on in these playoffs, and if these, these finals are going to be you know end in four or five games, I think it's going to leave, leave a bad taste in a lot of fans. For a lot of fans heading into a lockout that possibly could last until January. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean that's definitely a good point, Vic. I mean I, I know that you called for a gloating session, so I can't wait for you to just uh, like. <laughs> Ram it down my throat that the Celtics are in the finals against you know the Lakers because that happened, that really happened. I thought you were actually calling to tell me that Shaq retired, but I found out on YouTube that he retired. Yeah, yes, I mean, what do you did. think about Shaq retiring? Yeah, but you know what? Seriously, Vic, you're right. The playoffs have been really bad. I mean, you're right. Both the Eastern Conference Finals have ended in five games, and the Western Conference Finals ended in five games. 
and then you have a team that nobody could stand unless you live in Miami as uh, you know potentially winning the NBA title. And Vic, why, why don't we just why don't we just tell everybody on the on the air right now how many titles are the Miami Heat going to win in the next seven eight years? Well, it's not three, <laughs> and it's not four. It's definitely not five, not six, not oh seven. <laughs> it's probably going to end up with eight titles. I mean, who's going to stop them? Vic, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Can I ask you a question, Vic? Are, are you a heavy drug user? <laughs> I'm not, but... Eight titles? Are you kidding me? Eight titles? What? Joey, is this guy serious? I mean, I'm going a little overboard there, but, I mean, as constituted right now, who is going to stop them? Unless they build a second super team... I don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, the truth is that in, in any sport, especially in basketball, you just never know from year to year. I mean, as good as the as good as the Lakers were, I mean, they didn't win five titles in a row. You know, as good as uh, Kobe was. You know, even the Celtics, they got their one title, and, and you know, they weren't able to, uh, much to Joe's dismay, they weren't able to keep that going. Basketball's not the, at least not for the past what. Uh, 15, 16 years, there hasn't been a team to really dominate and to win multiple titles in a short period of time. So, I mean, you're obviously on, on some type of controlled substance if you think the Heat are going to win that many. <laughs> I could picture Wade getting hurt. I could picture, you know, LeBron, anybody getting hurt. And then all of a sudden you're not talking, uh, oh, yeah, right, Joe, you're right, the, the Spurs, my, my mistake. Um, they did win quite a few titles. But, you know, injury is something that just you, you just can never predict. So if Wade gets injured and he's out, you know, are, are the are the Heat going to win eight in a row? <laughs> I don't think so, Vic. Are you a Heat fan, no, I mean, by the way? No, I'm no, not. not. I actually hate the Heat. But but you make a good point there, Dave. I mean, obviously I was being a little facetious saying that they're going to win eight in a row. But <laughs> if you really just a think about bit. it, <laughs> when's the last time two of the best players in the NBA Got together. I mean, the last time I can think of was the Los Angeles Lakers, the Shaq and Kobe. With Shaq yeah, and, and Kobe, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, and together they won a couple throw. titles. Yeah, yeah, since that's true. Then, there really hasn't been since then. There really hasn't been a team that had two true superstars on the top of the game put together. So, that I mean, is a in good a way, point, I, I am kidding. In a way, I am kidding, but in a way, I, in I, a way. I hope that the NBA, <laughs> I hope the NBA figures it out somehow, put in a hard salary cap during this lockout and, um, you know, kind of disperse that talent amongst the other teams. You know, you know, yeah, like, I, mean, I, what, what's, I was going to say, what's going to happen, what's going to happen is, is that if the, the Heat do win a title this year, the Eagles are going to get in the way, and what's going to happen is LeBron James is going to figure it out. He's going to say, you know what, guys, I'm the reason why we won a title, and then he's going to head to New York and play for the Knicks, and he's going to win them a title. How's that? <laughs> You know, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I hope. I cannot stand the Heat. I cannot stand this team. Joe knows how I feel about the Heat all year long. You know, I picked them to win. I think we all feel the same way. July. Yeah. But, Honestly, I don't you know. know how, they're they're I, sorry, I don't know how people – I mean, unless you're unless you're a Heat fan prior to LeBron coming here, like, you you know, when they won a couple years ago with uh, with Wade, I don't see how you could be a Heat fan. And and I don't know how you could be a fan of LeBron James. I mean, nothing against Chris Bosh or Dwayne Wade, but LeBron is just an unlikable guy. You know, the way he's handled everything, the, his, uh, you know, dramatics and the way that he does. I mean, he's just not likable. So I don't know why the, the Heat are so popular across the country, aside from the fact that um, – Aside from the fact that you know they have a, a technically a super team, but you made a, you made a great point as far as the Lakers uh, with with Kobe and I mean, and again going back to Joe's point, egos tore them apart. You know who knows maybe yeah. they they could have won a couple more titles, but their egos just couldn't 
stay in the same building. And if anybody has a, mass, a massive ego, it's got to be uh, your, your favorite player, LeBron James. <laughs> He's not my favorite player now. No, but he is he is one of the best players in the NBA right now. Unfortunately, it's true. But Vic, we appreciate you coming on the air with us, and of course, uh, you know, don't wait another six months when we're when we're celebrating our one year anniversary to give us a call. You're you're welcome on the air anytime. You know, to talk. Uh, you can call us to talk about the NBA lockout when it happens. <laughs> Sounds good. I, you I'll, know, I'll be I'll be calling you guys. Take care. I was gonna say I was gonna say Vic before you go because you're you're a yep. big hockey fan too. Uh, how do you think the finals are gonna play out in uh, the NHL? Well, I think that you know I think the Bruins are still in it. I mean I I'm, uh, I picked Vancouver to win it in six. I think they're gonna win it in six. Um, okay. You know I think the Bruins can play that mucking defensive minded two to one type of hockey game, and I think they're gonna beat the Canucks. They're gonna win a couple of games. I think in the end, the connects is just going to be too much for the Bruins. <clears throat> but I'll tell you what, though. I mean, living in Boston, I, I cannot stand the Bruins. I cannot stand Bruins fans. But I will give them that. The future on that team is very bright. If that Tyler Sagan can, can develop into a true number one center, uh, the Bruins are going to be around for a while. Okay. So. I mean, we ha- we had to ask Vic that question. He is from Boston, and. You know he, oh, he did survive the he did survive the tornado. Thank God, nothing happened. But man, what devastation that they did they had last night uh, around six o'clock when that tornado hit. But thank God, Vic's okay. And uh, you know his Boston Bruins are in the finals. So I just had to ask that question before you. <laughs> yeah. You know, he yeah, left. his Boston hey. Bruins. <laughs> yeah, not my Boston Bruins, but. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. Have a good night. All right, you, you too, too, Vic. It was uh, Vic, the one and only Vic, our original caller, and I always remember that, you know. Just like Todd was our, basically our second caller and the first guy to really call multiple times, Vic was the first guy to ever call, and then he, apparently he went on a drug binge, and, and that's why he still hopped up on the LeBron James juice now, talking about eight titles. I don't know what the heck he's, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with Vic. I, I know that, uh, I mean, he seems like a nice guy, but Joe, there's, there's a couple screws missing there, I think. Yeah, there are, and, um, you know, it just like I said before to Vic, it comes down to egos. I just think that, you know, the Heat, you know, they, they're looking like they might win an NBA title this year, and they might yeah, win one like more. That. Yeah, they they might win one more either next year or the year after that, but, you know, I think just one of those three egos are going to get in the way. They're both, they're all three of them are in their prime, so I don't see them winning seven, eight titles. I, I, like I said, two tops, maybe, you know, and I'm, I'm even going to say, you know, one, maybe two, and if that that's about it. Yeah, I, I agree. I just can't see it happening. I mean, again, you look at your favorite player, Kobe Bryant, what happened with him and Shaq. You know, they, they just it's not that easy. I know that the Spurs won multiple titles, but really the only the only super superstar that they had was uh was well they did win one with David Robinson before he retired, but then of course you have uh what's his face, Tim Duncan. I mean Tony Parker's a star, but he's not at that level. You know, he's not at the level of a of a Duncan. But Duncan also doesn't strike me as the type of guy who's got a massive ego, you know? So they were able to stick together and be good for for many years. Um so I, I just don't see it, sir. I I don't see this team uh sticking it out and just being a, a, a superpower. I mean they're gonna have super talent but, you know, I mean, look at the Knicks. If the Knicks can put a couple of people around Carmelo and uh, Amari, maybe they'll be good. I mean, you know, they're two superstars. They're not at the same level. But, you know, they're probably on, on a, a level of Chris Bosh. I mean, definitely not LeBron or Wade, you know? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I know that the my team is, is old and they need to retool. And I think the Knicks can actually compete with the Heat if they add one or two more 
key guys, and you're right. I mean, I'll definitely be rooting for them against the Heat. There's no way that I want to see the Heat win seven or eight titles in the next decade. I mean, I think I'd stop watching basketball again. Yeah, again? <laughs> you stopped watching basketball, sir? I, I stopped watching basketball when, um, you know, Kobe and Shaq, you know, were on the Lakers that first uh, that first go-around when they won, you know, basically, you know, six titles. Yeah. I mean, three titles with Shaq and Kobe, but I actually stopped watching back then because I just thought I just yeah. thought that that superpower right there was just like going to win multiple titles. But thank God Kobe's ego, which we love, you know, got in the way, and you know Shaq left, and that was the end of that title run. But I mean, look, and he was able to win two more. So Kobe's Kobe has unfortunately five titles, which is amazing, especially in this day and age. I mean, aside from them, you know, the Spurs are probably the only other super team to win multiple titles because, you know, you're going back to the the, the entire 90s where we spoke about this Tuesday. The um, the Bulls could have won eight in a row, honestly, if Jordan had stayed with them, but obviously they didn't. So, you know, enough is enough, sir. <laughs> enough is enough. So before we move on to the next segment, as we're waiting for uh, our, our co-host for this part to call in, I say we've had quite the show, sir. I mean, we've got about 20 minutes left in the overrun. This is definitely going to go all the way back to back and a belly to belly. But um, the truth of the matter is that, you know, we had Greg on for quite a long time. And when he when he got into the wrestling talk, I mean, man, was, was he passionate about that or what? He definitely was. And, again, WFN doesn't allow you to talk about wrestling because they're mostly about – they're all about sports. So – you know, any chance that anybody could talk about wrestling if they're a wrestling fan is definitely going to take that opportunity. And, you know, Greg definitely slipped that in, and he made sure that he got his voice, um, you know, heard on our show. Oh, of course, and he was able to really share everything. Uh, I mean, not everything. We'd love to have Greg on again, as a matter of fact. I know we were talking, uh, you know, during Todd's insanely long rant, but we were talking about how it would be nice to have Greg on again to talk some wrestling. And, of course, we had Dominic from Hicksville checking in with us. We had Vic. So it's always a pleasure to have callers join us because, you know, it adds a different dimension and a different flavor. I mean, we can insult the callers. I remember that time we had uh, Neil call in from Belleville where you were insulting him and telling him to hurry up and stuff. Uh, you know, you, you just have those great moments there. Yeah, I mean, he's looking – we're looking like at turtles. that too. We're looking to negotiate with him, and he could possibly be our, you know, beat reporter for the New Jersey Spartans. So we're trying to work that out here. Yeah, yeah it would be great to have him as, as a beat reporter for the Spartans. As a matter of fact, um, you know, we haven't finalized a date, folks, but we're going to have, you know, one of our sponsors, the New Jersey Spartans, we're going to have Coach Kevin Moss joining us. Uh, and, again, we haven't finalized a date, but just wanted to throw that out with you to you folks so you can make the, uh, you know, arrangements to listen into that. I know that the Spartans are getting ready to start their season pretty soon, but, you know, it's, it's a good thing you mentioned that, sir. And, of course, <laughs> Neil from <laughs> – Neil is going to be our beat reporter. <laughs> oh, got to gotta love that guy, sir. Do you remember me, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is good stuff. You know, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the um the teams that have won NBA titles and it amazes me. The Celtics won in two thousand eight, right? But they hadn't won for like twenty one years. They had a long stretch where they hadn't run one. Then of course you have the Pistons uh winning a couple of titles, the Bulls, the Rockets, the Bulls. The Spurs, the Lakers, the Spurs again. I mean, it's insane, sir. You have all these years. There's a period here. Um, you know, I'm looking at this, sir. There's a period here where you had 
the same team winning multiple titles, even if not in a row in the case of the Spurs. But basically, like, over a 20-year period, you had about five teams winning, win the championship. And, you know, I didn't realize that basketball was so dominated because in the late 80s, you had the, the Lakers win a back-to-back and a belly-to-belly. The Pistons won two. The Bulls won three. The Rockets two. The Bulls three. The Spurs won one. But then the Lakers won three. The Spurs won again and again and again. Oh, I forgot the Pistons and the, uh, the Heat. I mean, this is crazy, sir. The same team seems to win over and over again. And we got to hope and pray, uh, you know, to the God above that, those scum suckers over in uh, Miami do not win multiple titles. But, folks, that's enough talk about basketball today. we got to get into something else. That's right, folks. The one and only Hans is joining us for Smallville. Sorry, I had to cut that short because we don't have a lot of time. Hans, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing good, and you guys? Oh, we are doing fabulous, sir. Hans, let's get right into this. Let's talk about some Smallville. We've been able to talk about this for the past several weeks of the show coming to a close. But tonight, I'd like to talk, if we can, if it permits, about Lois and Lana and... um. You know, before we get into that, hey, did you hear that the DC Universe is going to be rebooting their entire continuity? Really now? When, when did this come down? It uh, came down recently, and I believe in September they're going to relaunch all their titles with number, or 52 titles, with number one issues, so Batman and Superman. They're trying to go for a Smallville-esque, newer continuity, younger continuity, so I'm, I'm sure they'll probably bring back Mr. Kent again as a younger man, I would think. Um, this would probably put Batman back, you know, towards uh, the beginning of his career. Um, Nightwing would probably be non-existent. They'd have Dick Grayson as Robin, things of that nature. I mean, I, I can't give you the specifics, but I know that they have rebooted. They're going to reboot the entire continuity, and I think it's a horrible idea, sir. But haven't they been doing that already? Um, I know they – Yeah. I'm not sure of the title. Uh, it's called – it's one of the new Superman uh, books where – where Clark is a younger version, like like you said, Smallville-esque. Um, I wish I could remember the title off the top of my head, but I can't. It just came out recently. Uh, I heard that they're going to do a whole line of that, and that was supposed to be the first one. Batman's next, and I think Green Lantern, all like younger versions of, of these characters. Well, apparently they're doing it across the entire board, but that basically means that they're going to reset continuity, which uh, I've always hated that. I've never been a fan of it. Since we're talking about Smallville, I just had to throw that in there. But, excuse me, so getting back to Smallville, if we could, for a few minutes, because um, I want to touch on the, on the new X-Men movie as well. Um, give us your thoughts on, on Lois in terms of the character that she is in the comics and the character that she represented in, in the show as compared to the movies. If you could, you know, touch on that for a minute. Well, uh, first, let me say this about Lois. There there could be no Lois without Lana, and Smallville touched on that perfectly because they explain, you know, when you watch these movies and Lois and Superman, you always wonder in the back of your head, of all the women in the world, why does Superman always choose Lois or why Lois? Yeah, and yeah. Smallville showed that perfectly why. They showed him growing up with Lana and this love he had for her 
and then it progressed into Lois, and Smallville did it perfectly, more than the comics ever did or any movie, because no movie has ever touched on Lana except for what was Superman 2 with Christopher Three, Reed, I think it was Superman they, 3. It, it, it was, was 3. three where, where she shows up for the prom or something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they they took this, like, five-minute scene in, in the Superman movie and turned it into a six-year relationship on the show. And to me, there, there could be no Lois without Lana. As far as Lois as a character, I mean, she's your, I guess, your everyday woman now, strong, independent, powerful, uh She's just a great Powerful? character, and she she compliments Superman perfectly. And what about you, Joe? How would you describe the one and only? I mean, I, I love Erica Durant uh, as an actress and, and what she did with Lois, but uh, what do you think about the character, Sarah, as compared to the movies? Oh, I, I definitely agree with Hans where, um, you know, she's definitely independent, strong-willed, has her opinions. Um, I think the the... the the Lois in the movies was a little bit more frail, not as strong-willed. Um, but that could be a product of, you know, making a movie in the the early '80s versus doing a show nowadays with you know much more um, advances in terms of you know women definitely getting um, about being level with you know men in terms of you know getting jobs and equal opportunity in all different aspects. So I definitely think that. This Lois is definitely more independent and um, more dynamic than the, the the Lois that was in the movies, DG. Yeah, and, you know, it's a testament to the actress of Erica Durant, who, again, is, is one of my favorites. She just did an amazing job, and I always loved the character. Even from the beginning when they actually introduced her, I really thought that they just did it so well. And, I mean, she was a little bit older than Clark, which was interesting, but they were able to pull off that character and then make her so beloved. You know, Hans, the one thing that interested me was the fact that they actually made her able and uh, effectively uh, able to replace Lana because Lana was so huge on the show. And I mentioned that multiple times, how it almost made me wish that they would – you know, ditch Lois and get get Lana, but of course that didn't happen. But the fact that she was able to stand toe to toe with the Lana character and overcome all those years of continuity on the show and what Lana meant to Clark, I, I thought was amazing, sir. I agree with you. Um, how she just came in, stole the show right out from under Lana, because like she you did. said, Lana is such a big part in in Smallville, and. Yeah. Well, the way they wrote her and the the way they wrote Lois, it was only obvious. It was only natural that she was going to uh, take her place because towards the end, Lana kind of just got snuffed out. There was she got horrible. nothing grandiose about her. She was just turning in. She went from being the cute girl next door to this horrible nuisance. <laughs> like this bad fungus that wouldn't go away. It just amazes me, though. You know, speaking on that, since, since we're kind of like cramming the two characters into the one segment, uh, otherwise we'd be here for years. I mean, next week we could talk. Or, you know, we should probably save the Pete talk for like about three weeks until after Sam Jones the Third gets uh, gets sentenced to like 50 years in prison so we can talk about that. And I kind of came to the conclusion today that that's probably why he he didn't appear on the show and they didn't mention him at all in the um, 
the finale because I read an, an article recently that he's like in another country awaiting a trial back here in the States and doing some dog show um, because he's going to face a, a long time of uh, prison. But aside from that, I thought that you know Lana was so great at the beginning of the show, the character, the actress, the way they order everything. But as the time went on, it just seems, and I know everybody seems to agree with this, and I know Joe, you'll agree, they didn't, they didn't know what to do with Lana. That when she married Lex, that what, to me was jumping the shark. I was like, man, this is horrible. This is a bad move. It makes absolutely no sense, and she's trying to protect Clark's secret. And then, of course, they get into the whole thing where she found out his secret. But, Joe, uh, give me your thoughts on the Lana character and how horribly they butchered her and how great she started out at the beginning of the show. I mean, who who wouldn't be able to like the Lana character in the beginning? I mean, she's one of the more attractive uh, characters on the show, especially in the beginning. So um, it was, there was not much not to like, obviously. Uh, right from the get-go, when that, I, th- I thought she was, uh, that she delivered that line about what are you, Superman or something like that? You know, in the first episode, I thought yeah, she delivered that. I, yeah, yeah, I thought she delivered that spot on. So I thought that she was definitely a great actress and a great, uh, a great Lana, you know, a great Lana act, actor that actress, sorry, that played. Uh, but you're right, DG, and I'm sure Hans will hit on this too. Is that they they seem like they ran out of creative juices for the character and then you're right when they when she married Lex I just thought that at that point they just didn't know what to do with her at that point and then just to freshen up her character have her married Lex but um Horrible. it seemed like yeah it, it didn't seem like guys that um Lo, Lana sorry didn't seem like Lana was always not on the same page with Clark and then when when Clark wanted to be on the same page, she didn't want to be. It was like a weird relationship that they had throughout the entire series. Yeah, I agree, Hans. What about you, sir? I agree with that because I think they 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 drew out the that longing for each other way too long. If mm-hmm, they would have worked out a relationship maybe by season three and dealt with that throughout like two or three seasons, it would have been a better way to write her. It would have been, it would have been much easier to write her off, yeah, and introduce Lois. Yep, but they just I agree. threw out that I want her, I can't be with her, and then she wants to be with him but can't. They just dragged it on for way too long. But you realize, though, Hans, what you realize in that sense is that that's ultimately what they did anyway. Because when she finally left at the end of season eight, it was the same thing of. I want her, but I can't be with her. So, oh, well, I guess I'll stick with Lois. And that always bothered me because Lois is supposed to be the love of his life, but yet he basically picked Lois because he literally could not physically be with Lana. You know, like she had some type of horrible, uh, you know, human (laughs) disease or something, the kryptonite thing. But they did drag it out way too long. Of course, you have that horrible, uh, well, the third season part with Adam Knight, who was horrible, and that horrible entire fourth fourth season with uh, Jason Teague, a.k.a. Jensen Ackles from Supernatural. I mean, because of that, they truly ruined um, the relationship, and then they tried to save it, but they couldn't because they ruined it even further with Alex and uh, and the marriage thing, you know? You're completely right. If they would have, you know, season one, he wants but can't have her, she's dating Whitney. Season two, Whitney dies, she's dealing with that. By season three, they're together. And the way I would have wrote it, season three, they're together. He's still hiding his secret. 
by the end of the season, she finds out. So the new season starts off, you know, they're dealing with it. Him having to, him, her being practically a Lois Lane type character, uh, which is what they did in the comic books. They did it with Superboy. He was always saving her. He was always saving Pete. But it would have been easier way to write her, and it would have been a great way to write Pete Ross off if that was the plan. Like, by the end of fourth season, Pete feels like he's being ignored by his best friend, so he's going to leave. Instead, they make up this horrible story for for Pete to leave, then they ruin the whole... they, They ruin that whole relationship. Well, they ruined every relationship. If you look at the show, really, they they were they figured out a horrible way to write off every character except for Mr. Kent. Pete's whole thing was horrible. Um, Lana was was atrocious. The way they wrote off Lex and that was all right. Um, Mrs. Kent, I mean, the most nonsensical thing of all time is your husband dies, he becomes elected as a senator, you know, right before death. So hey, uh, you know what? I'm going to be a senator. I mean, that's just idiotic. But aside from that, Smallville was never, even Kara, you know, Smallville was never able to effectively write off characters. I know it's something we've talked about, you know, ad ad nauseum. But, you know, as we close out with the last couple minutes here, we only have about five minutes left. Um, Give us your, your, Hans, give us your ultimate take on on the two characters and, you know, what they meant to Smallville and, you know, what they meant to you. Because I know for a long time you were actually, uh, Secretly infatuated with Lana and Lois at the same time, which caused uh, you know problems with you in your personal life. <laughs> First of all, you're confusing you for me. You were the one oh. infatuated with both those girls. Oh, I'm sorry. My Secondly, uh, as a whole, Lana was great. I mean, she she helped. Clark along the way, which she does in the comics too, not in the way that they wrote her on the show, but you know, she still helped them along the way, and as far as Lois, Lois is a great character, no matter what. Um, she's comparable to Margot Kidder from the 80s movies. Oh, she's better um, than her. Joe said that, that actually, Joe made a comment earlier about them not being the same, but I actually think they're borderline the same character. The way Erica Durant played Lois is the same way Margot Kidder. I don't even want to bring Kate Bosworth into that whole mix because she's just a horrible actress and she ruined Lois in Superman Returns. But as a character in Smallville, she just helped Clark even further. What Lana couldn't do, Lois did. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I just, uh, overall, I, I would have to disagree with you in terms of Lana only because they wrote her so terribly. I mean, her first couple of seasons where she was great, and then the whole fourth season was horrible, and, you know, she was there for him in the fifth season, which was great. But the marriage thing left a bad taste in my mouth. The whole kryptonite suit thing left a bad taste in my mouth. And I just wish that they were able to write it off better, you know, and just end the show uh and her take on the show a little bit differently. JB, what about you? What, what's your takes on those two as we as we close up shop here? Well, again, Lana was an important character in the early development for Clark, and then they they did you know they obviously didn't find a good way to get her off the show, but to have them bring Lois in, the perfect actress, I thought like you guys thought to bring her to bring her in you know and finish finish off the Clark. You know, complete the Clark, Clark character in terms of his relationship, uh, having a love, you know, a love relationship. 
I thought that they did a great job with that, and I think that you couldn't ask for a better Lana or Lois on the show. I agree with that, sir. I thought they were both excellent actresses, and, you know, unfortunately, Kristen Kruk is too good to come with the finale. But we can get into that at a different <laughs> time, and, of course, next week we'll be discussing uh, some more. We'll probably get into the, the Kent's Mr. and Mrs., and, of course, eventually we'll get into our fa- one of our favorite characters, Lionel Scum Luther, a.k.a. Joe Buccino's real father. Uh, <laughs> Hans, <laughs> we really appreciate you coming on the show. We only have, like, a minute or two here. Um, any any closing thoughts quickly? I know we wanted to get into X Men, but uh, we can get into that next week, and we'll both probably we we'll probably will have seen it, um, and we can get into that and talk about that even on Tuesday's show uh, if possible, sir. Uh, no, you guys pretty much said it all uh, about the actresses being great. They were perfect for their roles, and that's about it. Hans, we greatly appreciate you coming on the air. As always, a pleasure. Yours, of course. We'll talk to you on Tuesday, sir. Thank you. Have a good night. Later, DG. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> later, DG. <laughs> that was the one and only Hans joining us. And, JB, as we wrap up this show. Oh, Louisa, very nice. <laughs> You yeah. know, I just, I just would like to, yeah, of course, you know, that's our favorite uh, right there. And, of course, to her, I say this. Just wanted to throw that out there, Joe. That's all for you, sir. Folks, we appreciate you listening to the show. I'd like to thank Fitz, our producer, Kelly, our board op, Jose, our media director, for securing the interview with Greg Sussman. Of course, we'd like to thank Greg for spending so much of his time here tonight. He's welcome on the air with us anytime, and we'd love to actually – uh, get him on again to talk wrestling because he's obviously a big wrestling fan like us, and I didn't know that, so it's definitely something new that you learn. Um, I'd like to thank Dominic from Hicksville for calling in and, you know, taking over the show for a couple minutes with Greg. Uh, they had a little love fest going, but, you know, we appreciate Dominic as always. Great insight. We'd like to thank Vic from Boston, a huge Bruins fan that he is, and a huge LeBron James fan. Hopefully Vic will be able to get out of rehab soon enough and, you know, get back on track with his life. Folks, For JB, and of course Hans, let me thank him for joining us. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it P-A-G. Good night, everyone.